Welcome to Grid Talk, a series of conversations with the leaders and innovators shaping the 21st century grid. Hosting the podcast is Marty Rosenberg, an award-winning energy journalist. The series is sponsored by the Department of Energy's Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Now, here's Marty Rosenberg with Grid Talk. Welcome to Grid Talk. Today, we're with Rudolf Winter, who's the president of National Grid New York. Hi, Rudy. How are you? Hi, Marty. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. We are very interested in how the whole ecosystem of energy is changing. And uh, a lot is being done in terms of ramping up EVs and EV EV penetration, and also the electrification of, of more and more sectors of our lives, particularly transportation. How do you see that playing out in New York State, particularly in your service territory? So uh, in in New York State, in upstate New York, we're an electric and gas distribution business. In downstate New York, we are a uh, gas distribution business uh, only. And uh, we see the biggest drivers around electrification is just decarbonization occurring across the state. Um, We have very ambitious climate goals in New York State, 70% renewable electricity by 2030, 100% decarbonized electricity by by 2040. In order to get to those kinds of targets, we need to start now. So across the business, on the electric side, we're seeing increased investments uh, in um, uh, make-ready programs for EVs, as well as um, some additional investment in our transmission business, especially as that transmission business will play a key role in integrating uh, more renewables um, onto the grid. And and finally, in our uh, gas distribution business, it is very much focused on safe and reliable delivery um, of gas to our uh, customers across the footprint. But in terms of electrification, it's the electrification of transport. we have an effort underway with the New York EV Make Ready program where we plan to add 16,000 ports across our service territory in upstate New York uh, by 2025. So I think my, my company as well as others are just seeing uh, increased investments to make sure our networks are enablers of this deep decarbonization. How do you see increased penetration of renewables working in your service territory, and what challenges do those create? Yeah, so um, across our footprint, particularly you know upstate New York, where we have the electric footprint, we see a, a huge increase in renewable energy projects. Um, we've already connected more than 100,000 renewable energy projects since 2013 adequate to just under three gigawatts of electricity. And and that's helped us to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by probably three million, around three metric tons a year. Uh, That's enough electricity to energize about 330,000 homes. Uh, Our goal is to make sure that we're making investments in our grid to make it easier for all of those distributed energy resources uh, to connect to the network. And we hope to reduce the cost of those interconnections, streamline that whole interconnection process uh, as well. So 
Um, ha- describe your electric service ter- ter- territory in New York State and tell me how readily EV adoption is occurring in that part of the state. I don't have the exact numbers of EV adoption in upstate New York. We're very much focused on make-ready programs to make sure we and the network is there to enable the adoption rates to continue. But off the top of my head, I, I don't know the EV adoption rate that we currently see. Is it fair to say that it's slower than in urban centers? Uh, it is largely in urban centers. I think the two spots that we think we need to see more of, and we don't see much of it right now, is the, what I call the large-scale use cases. We don't see it yet, meaning uh, a lot of fleet vehicles or in the highway plazas. And, and those are the things we're going to have to uh, attack, I think, a lot harder, um, primarily because when you... You look at uh, trucks and buses in New York, while they only make up about 4% of vehicles on the road, um, they are about 25% of the on-road greenhouse gas emissions. So electrifying those types of vehicles is a a major opportunity uh, for the climate and and for communities. We just completed a study with uh, Hitachi ABB power grids uh, to look at fleet electrification's impact on our distribution network uh, to understand what are the investments we have to make. We're also looking at highway charging because we think that's the thing that's going to have to be tracked to relieve what's called that range anxiety. And we're looking hard at that because, as you know, many of the highways are actually just parallel to our existing transmission and sometimes distribution networks. But I think we, uh, we have um, some strategic investments we could make uh, along the highways to help that along. Rudy, uh, I'm going to ask you a question about capital expenditure now. And uh, there's a lot of focus right now on infrastructure uh, in this country and the need to upgrade infrastructure. And there's a bill, as you know, being debated to put tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions into getting electric infrastructure ready for the energy transition, for the power system transformation. How needed is that in your mind? And what do you see the need at National Grid for spending on capital expenditure? How is it increasing and what are you hoping to achieve by it? Sure, thanks, Marty. We've long advocated, when you think about the federal infrastructure investments, we've long advocated for prioritizing federal infrastructure investments to accelerate what we'll call that that net zero transition, to accelerate that big clean energy transition. So while we're pleased to see that the Senate's passage of a bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, would spur local economic growth and advance clean energy ambitions, including some investments in uh, transmission and investments in hydrogen and energy efficiency technologies and demonstration projects. There's still more work to be done. And we look forward to partnering with our communities uh, to advance on those priorities. Uh, within National Grid, when we look at our uh, capital investment plans uh, in upstate New York, we have a pending rate settlement that provides for capital funds for our electric business of about 
$2.5 billion over the life of that great plan and about $800 million on the gas network. And those investments are really around just modernizing our core infrastructure to do a couple of things. Just make sure we're delivering safe and reliable service while at the same time um, making some investments in our transmission network to unlock some existing renewables that are in upstate New York. In, uh, in downstate New York, we have a gas distribution business. Our capital plan there is, is, is different. There we've got about a $3 billion uh, capital investment plan that just came out of a three-year uh, rate agreement. And that is very much focused on uh, just safety and reliability of that gas distribution network. A lot of those funds being spent on removing leak-prone pipe to improve system performance and reduce uh, a lot of our greenhouse gas emissions. So the, there's a lot being spent. Uh, is it going to get the grid where it's needed, uh, or is there a major change that's that, in terms of the architecture of the grid that you envision? So, great question. Um, I, I think there is far more that we need to invest in the grid to get it to where we need it to be. I mean, we've got to think about hardening the grid against cyber, against you know the, the weather changes that we're seeing, and the investments that I just talked about are some of the first steps to get us there. But there is just much more we need to, to invest in making sure that the grid is ready for the big electrification in transport and some electrification in heat that we're going to see. But as I said, there's just more needed to invest in resiliency, I would call it, whether it's cyber or weather resiliency. Uh, for instance, we're, we're doing a lot of work in making some investments in uh, grid modernization technologies like fault location isolation and service restoration. While we're starting to do that and deploy some of this technology onto our network, the, the dollars that I just talked about aren't enough to deploy it across the, the whole network. So to answer your question, more is going to be needed around hardening the grid against cyber and weather events, as well as additional, I'll call it hosting capacity to make sure we're able to interconnect the renewables, we're able to interconnect the EVs um, as we electrify more things. Those of us outside the Northeast watched with uh, some horror as we saw the impact of Hurricane Ida with the water pouring into the subways and, and highways around Manhattan. Given that your metropolitan area infrastructure is more closely aligned with gas, did you see effects of more intense violent weather events on your service territory? So uh, absolutely. And in New York City, it was a, a very sad event. As you know, we lost uh, a lot of, uh, a number of people during that, that severe weather event. Um, so my, my heart goes out to their friends and families. But to answer your question, yes, we, we do see more intense weather events. And we're planning our system through the lens of what we call low probability but high impact storm events. We think as if, you know, if it can happen, it will happen. So we're looking at projects and designing projects that would reduce the spread of outages uh, if we have 
significant weather impacts. And that happens by isolating faults, putting in additional breakers, so we can minimize impact you know, onto our customers. That also includes putting some additional digital technologies and digital substations to help increase availability and reliability across power supplies so we can uh, reroute power on the electric network uh, better than we can today. Um, in, in those recent events in, in lower, uh, downstate New York, we have the gas distribution system. And, you know, we were monitoring it. We were standing at the ready in case there were any interruptions. Uh, fortunately, we did not have any uh, interruptions on the, uh, the gas network uh, because of that. Let's talk about the vision and national grid for the future of its gas business. And I'd like to ask you a little bit about hydrogen and the the future of the hydrogen hydrogen economy in New York. Let's talk a little bit about your vision for Long Island as a hydrogen hub. Could could you explain how that is going to work? Sure. So um, one of the things that we're we're always looking at is how do we deeply decarbonize cities, towns, suburban areas? And uh, we recently did a piece of work called a pathway study looking at New York City in 2030. We did it in, in a partnership with Con Edison, uh, electric utility in New York City, as well as the Mayor's Office of Sustainability. And we wanted to see what are the pathways of decarbonizing New York City. And obviously one pathway is around electrification, electrified transport, electrified um, heat. Um, when we look at it that way, the cost to make that happen is very large. And it's largely so large because uh, two things I would say about the gas distribution network. Number one, on the coldest day in the winter, the natural gas network in New York City is carrying three times the amount of energy than the electric distribution system is carrying on its peak day, the hottest day of the summer. So you've got a network that's carrying a lot of energy there. To replace it with something else is going to be very costly to consumers. Um, the second point I would I want to bring up is that we can deeply decarbonize the molecules that we're carrying in that uh, natural gas network. And we can do that by blending either renewable natural gas or by blending hydrogen into that network. When you do that and you look at that pathway study, um, you can electrify a lot of building stock in urban areas, but there will be some hard to electrify uh, uh, sectors and parts of the building stock. In those cases, you get that by delivering a low carbon fuel through the natural gas system. So we're doing a lot of work, Marty, um, with Stony Brook University in Long Island to understand uh, what we have to do to the network to get it ready, and how much hydrogen can we potentially blend into the gas distribution network. And we're doing some work with Columbia to look at um, the economics behind it all, use cases behind it all, and the policies that are needed to make that work. So we're very much focused on understanding those things. We'll probably be staying in the next few years studying and also doing some demonstration pilots of blending um, green hydrogen, hydrogen that's produced 
by um, renewables, but blending that hydrogen into the gas distribution network to create a lower carbon fuel in that network. You mentioned uh, hydrogen produced by renewables. What role do you see offshore wind possibly playing in that? Offshore wind will play a big role because, um, remember, I've got about you know, 2 million customers in downstate New York. And if you fast forward over the next decade, we are likely going to be building upwards of 9 gigawatts of offshore wind just next to them, right? Right off the coast of Long Island. Um, what we're seeing take place in Europe is offshore wind playing a great role as the wind turbines are still spinning at night. There isn't necessarily an electric load for them, but you can capture that, uh, put it through electrolyzers, create hydrogen, and then we could blend that hydrogen into the natural gas um, network. So we do see offshore wind playing a big role, and that role is it's a way for us to create that, uh, that green hydrogen at scale. Um- on your website, there's mention of a Long Island hydrogen hub. Is that part of what you alluded to with Stony Brook, or is that something else? Yeah, so um, the Long Island hydrogen hub is a conceptual idea we're thinking about. And, um, on Long Island, we have uh, A, a gas distribution network. B, we also have some generation facilities on Long Island. And then C, as I mentioned, it's a location where we'll see a lot of offshore wind. Uh, developed over the next decade. So our concept is we're going to focus on Long Island to be the spot where we put a lot of our demonstration projects because we have all the pieces there. We've got power plants that potentially burn cleaner hydrogen. We've got a gas distribution network that I could also blend the hydrogen in as well. The work we're doing specifically with Stony Brook right now is very much focused on the gas distribution network and understanding what I call, you know, the plumbing of it all. How will that network behave when we start introducing different levels of hydrogen? Do you, do you feel that uh, too much focus right now is going on to the electric side of the business, energy business, when we try to achieve decarbonization and more attention needs to be placed on the, the gas side or 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 is it proceeding quietly uh, and just not getting the attention that, that the electric side is getting? That's a great question. Here's, here's what I think. I think to hit the aggressive goals that we must hit, and you know we all embrace that net zero future, Marty, we're going to need all of it. We're going to need uh, electric vehicles. We're going to need to electrify big portions of the heating sector. We're going to need battery energy storage. We'll need solar, wind. We'll need carbon capture and storage. But we will also need to identify a role that the existing natural gas network can play. And I think there is clearly a role it can play. So I think a lot of attention, rightfully so, has gone to the electric answer and electrification for deep decarbonization. We absolutely need to do that. But we also have to make sure we do this energy transition and nobody gets left behind. We've got to make sure it's affordable to all customers. One way we can do that is by optimizing or repurposing an existing network that is already there. That's that gas distribution network. So I I think more and more efforts are underway of looking at that. Um, We're already 
doing some pilots in, in Europe and in the UK with it. So I think to date, a lot more attention from the electric side. I think you will start seeing hydrogen discussions of hydrogen blending playing a bigger and bigger role as we go forward. Rudy, the, the last area I want to get into with you is to invite you to personally reflect on the changes in the business. Uh, you've been with National Grid for 14 years. And before that, you were at Keyspan, the gas business that was acquired by National Grid, and before that, Brooklyn Union Gas Company. So you've been around. Uh, how has the business changed? What are the, the new headaches you face, and what are the new exciting challenges? So, uh, great question. So, you know, there, there are a lot of things that remain the same, right? Um, we want to continue providing safe and reliable services to our customers. We think we are an integral part of the communities where we all live, work, and play, and we have a deep commitment to those communities. That has not changed. Um, I think what has changed is the climate crisis that we all have to find a way of solving. And uh, we've got to figure out how to do that and do that together. That is probably the biggest and most exciting, I think, change taking place across the energy sector. That's where I think we're going to see innovation play a, a critical role. And it's going to play a critical role in deploying technology on our existing networks to optimize and use those better. But it's also going to play a critical role to, I think, unlocking some some answers that, that we don't have today. So I was speaking to uh, some new employees recently, and I said, I think this is a great time to be in the energy sector because we've got to rethink how we are making energy. We've got to rethink how we're using it. And, and we've got to rethink how we're helping our customers use less of it as well. So most of the change I see taking place is all around how we get to that clean energy future that we all want. What, what keeps you um, up late at night these days? Is it weather change? Is it cyber terrorists infiltrating the grid? What are your key worries? Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do have worries about, you know, uh, like everyone in the utility sector, you know, we're always watching the weather. We're concerned about extreme weather events and, and uh, disruptions for our customers. Uh, I'm worried about, you know, um, uh, cyber and, and, and things like that as well. But to answer your question, what keeps me up at night, um, one of the things I'm very worried about is talent as well. I'm worried that we're not bringing in all of the talent and, and really grooming the talent that we're going to need in the energy sector going forward. Um, we're doing a lot of work within Nash Grid in New York around workforce development as well to make sure that we're tapping all of our communities to make sure that they play a role in building the energy networks of the future. So, so to be honest with you, Marty, one of the things that, that I think about a lot is talent. Are we bringing in enough talent? Are we grooming the talent that we have? And are we equipping them all for the future? And also, are we reaching out to all the communities that we serve to make sure our workforce really represents our customer base as well? Thanks, Rudy. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. Our guest has been Rudolph Winter, who's the National Grid New York president. You have been listening to Grid Talk. 
Please uh, send us feedback or questions to gridtalk at nrel.gov. And we encourage you to give the podcast a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the podcast series or to subscribe, please visit smartgrid.gov. Thanks for listening to Grid Talk, presented by the U.S. Department of Energy Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Subscribe through your favorite podcast provider or visit smartgrid.gov for more information.